Hey, hey, it's Andy Anas, and you're listening or watching to another episode of Pod Slam Ajama, now owned by Let's Rage Cougs. On this episode, we will be talking about the upcoming matchup for the football team against a high-powered SMU Mustangs offense. Houston is set to face its toughest challenge yet on the road after their current three-game winning streak. How will the Cougars fare, and how will they contain that high-powered SMU offense? We'll continue our name, image, and likeness segments. This time, we'll be focusing on gokoops.com and their launch of H-O-U-N-I-L. And lastly, we'll close it out with basketball talk as both the men's and women's basketball teams are less than a week away when they tip off their seasons this upcoming Monday, November 7th. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Pod Slurman Jam. Yeah, high standards, high goals. You know, we know what it takes to get there. I want to be unguardable, <laughs> if I'm honest. Coaches, coach, players, play. You know, and that's a great place to be in your life. Where you can care less what other people think. Joining me, as always, Dayon Dunlap. How are you doing, sir? All, <clears throat> excuse me. All is well. All is well. No complaints. How about you? I'm doing good. Uh, a little, a little sick. So if I sound a little weird, <laughs> um, we can uh, bypass that. But can't complain too much. And uh, let's jump right into it in regards to the Mustangs' offense. So obviously Houston riding a three-game winning streak. Um, when really it, it, it's been from the Houston perspective, it has been an offensive turnaround. It has really uh, helped boost Houston into the three-game winning streak. They've put up 30-plus points in all three straight games going back to the contest at Memphis. Obviously, we know the story of that game. They were down 19, rallied, and really salvaged their season with that win this past game against South Florida. They were able to put up 42 points on the board against the South Florida Bulls, and now they're going to be looking. They're going to need to keep up with that high-powered SMU offense that can match Houston point for point and yard per yard, and Really, they kind of mirror each other when it comes to how the Mustangs uh, operate things. Obviously, the 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 key receiver for SMU is Rasheed Rice, who he is not only leading the American Athletic Conference when it comes to yards per game, but he's leading the entire country with 122.8 yards per game, which in comparison, uh, Tank Dell, who obviously he's a pretty good receiver for Houston, he's averaging 92.4 yards per game, which is 16th in the country. So that's going to be key, uh, pivotal, a tough challenge for the Houston secondary in regards to Rice for uh, for SMU. Uh, but damn, before we get into the clip of Doug Bell talking about the Mustangs, uh, what do you feel in particular that, that Houston is going to have to be looking for when they face off against SMU? On top on the scouting report is that uh, Mordecai to Rice connection. Mordecai mm-hmm. not only leads um, the nation in the stats you mentioned, but he also has the most receiving yards in the country with 932 on this season. And so um, he's a player that gets his targets. They run the offense primarily through those two players, Mordecai and Rice. And so I look forward to the defense maybe doubling um, Rice or bracketing Rice to see what they try to do to slow him down and make someone else beat them. Yeah, absolutely. Both Dana Hogerson and defensive coordinator, associate head coach Doug Bell talked about how really, like you said, Dayon, that that Mordecai is kind of the engine that that makes all the things go for SMU. And obviously that connection is going to be top priority. But here's uh, more specifics of what Doug Bell had to say in regards to how they plan on containing that SMU offense. I mean, he's probably one of the most 
premier receivers in the country. He leads the receiver the the country in receiving yards. I think it's 982 yards um, receiving, um, and he's number four in the country as far as the as far as receptions goes. And then their quarterback is um, they got number one passing offense in our conference, and they're uh, top ten in the country in passing and 25 in total offense. So um, you know he's been targeted. Uh, I think well over a hundred times and you know he's got uh 60 plus receptions i think it's 64 um you know and to put that in perspective he's got more receptions and more catches than tank um you know not as many touchdowns uh but but you know he's a he's a comparable player and obviously he's very explosive um we've played against him the last couple years i think uh their depth at receiver in the past they spread it spread the ball around a little bit more uh with reggie um, and Danny Gray last year, and they mixed him in, and he had Calcaterra, and uh, I think he's getting the bulk of the targets now. The offense is a little bit different. Um, their quarterback is very talented and, you know, has the green light, um, and he makes contested catches, and he's very good after the catch. So, obviously, the, the challenge will be great um, in containing him. Um, a, lot, a lot to do with our corners and our secondary. Um, we have a chance to win those matchups. We have to be able to um, play man-to-man and be physical. He's big, he's fast, and uh, he's good after the catch. So um, just got to mix it up and make sure that we're doing everything we can to support our guys and put them in position to make plays. <clears throat> you know, we played them both. Um, you know, obviously a couple years ago, we played uh, a little bit different defensively, schematically than we are now. Uh, but we've played against Redden, and obviously uh, Coach Dice, they, they did an incredible job of what they had. Uh, there are some similarities in the offense, but there's a lot of differences, um, you know, but uh, Mordecai is really just what makes it all go. Um, you know, very talented, can make every throw, uh, ultimate competitor. You see the passion, you see the fire when he plays and, you know, he's letting it rip, whether it's fourth, fourth down and 10 against TCU, throwing a rope across the middle when they were, when they were down 28 to 14 or, um, whether it's a go-ahead touchdown and very competitive games. And when you look at those guys, obviously the statistics kind of tell the story where, where they're ranked in, in offense and uh, as, a, as, a, as a unit. But then when you look at the individual uh, statistics of Mordecai and Rice, I mean, they're two of the best guys in the country. And, uh, you know, I think their head coach and offensive coordinator do a really good job of putting those guys in positions to make plays. And, um, you know, you don't get – you don't get – a guy like Rice, as many targets and catches consistently as he's as he's had, um, you know, if he's not physically and mentally able to handle the workload that they're giving him, and and uh, you know, so we got to be uh, very sharp on on all of those different things, and then um, just the tempo and the explosive capability of of their skill position guys, uh, and then up front, uh, their tackles are both six eight. And both guards and centers are six five apiece, so they got length up front, um, and they have experience. Uh, so they shuffled some guys around over the last couple of weeks, but um, they're a veteran group that um, that has a veteran quarterback and a veteran group of receivers that have played a lot of ball. And then you sprinkle in a young tight end and, and some of these other guys. They, they're they're really good offense. Uh, in the four games they've lost, they've been very competitive against really high um, quality opponents: Maryland, TCU, Central Florida, Cincinnati. Um, and they were all close games. Um, you look at TCU, so they're, they're very competitive and, and they can put up points on anybody. So, um, and they prove that each and every week. 
So once again, that was Houston defensive coordinator Doug Belk really giving the rundown of SMU like we touched on part of the clip. Really, it all starts with that uh, Mordecai to Rice connection now. Obviously, that, that's going to mean that a lot of pressure is going to be on Houston's secondary to um, really they're going to get tested for the first time since, again, going back to that Memphis game. But honestly, pro probably even going back, I would say it's going to be their toughest uh, challenge. Maybe you could put up Rice with McCaffrey, but certainly going back to Kansas, which uh, obviously with, uh, it was early, but how the Houston secondary struggled in those games is going to be interesting to see what the growth has been from that unit when they have to face off against such a uh, really an elite connection between Mordecai and Rice. Yeah, I'm going to keep my eye on that as well. I'm going to see the coverage that they use. Do they double him or do they keep a safety over the top and maybe zone in the middle to kind of bracket Rice? I'm going to be looking to see the game plan that they use to try to, to limit him, a player as good as he is. I don't think you're going to just stop him, but I think you have to make it tough for him and not allow him to have those – long explosive plays because he's really good after the catch as well and so another factor to key in is the defensive line they have to be able to get to the quarterback and not allow him to set his feet to be able to kind of um pick the defense apart or get those long deep passes downfield and so it, it's a it's going to be a joint effort defensively Absolutely. You read my mind. I was about to bring up uh, just really how important it's going to be for Sack Ave to be able to get after Mordecai. Even going back to last season, the matchup against SMU, obviously a lot of UH fans know that game for the crazy ending where Marcus Jones had the kickoff return that sealed the win for Houston. But that in and of itself, um, it was kind of an up and down game for the defense where they, they had some good moments, but then they weren't uh, able to hold down that SMU offense for the entire game, and they had made a rally, and and you know it was a toss up until that kickoff return uh, by Jones that sealed the win for Houston. So SMU uh, on the road is going to be a tough task in Dallas. Now I think another key factor is going to be uh, really kind of the linebackers group, in particular whenever they have to be in coverage. We we saw South Florida exploit Houston in particular when it came uh, to using their running backs in the passing game. And, I mean, obviously Brian Batie and what he was able to do just straight up in the first quarter, they were able to make an adjustment where they really uh, shut down USF's rushing attack. Now, SMU is not known, or this season, they're not – they haven't had as strong as the rushing attack when you compare it to their offensive uh, passing yards. Uh, but that's still something to monitor, too, when it comes to coverage. It definitely is. Um, you want to make them one-dimensional. They do have some running backs who, who are more than capable to having big games, but they're primarily a passing attack. And Mordecai, he's had his success against Houston throwing the football primarily over the middle of the field. He's had a lot of mm -hmm. success over the middle of the field, and that's a lot of times where linebackers are in that covering that era primarily when they're in zone. And so uh, I want to see the philosophy and the um, the strategy to, to um, cover this offense. Um, Belk, Doug Belk talked about the familiarity that they have. They've seen – um, the coach a couple years back when he was at SMU before he left and returned. And so they're familiar with the offense. They're familiar with the quarterback and the receivers. It's just about getting the players in the right position to make the plays. I think over the time, you want to always have a safety over the top of Rice primarily and then let the chips fall where they may. 
Yeah. Now, <clears throat> glancing over at the Houston perspective when it comes to offense, as like we mentioned, this has been an offense that has really hit its stride in the past three games, uh, being able to put up points. And then most importantly, this is something that we've talked on uh, throughout the season, just being able to have other playmakers outside of Tank Dale to consistently step up with Sam Brown, Keyshawn Carter have been consistent for Houston the past three games. And then you started to see uh, the rise of some of the tight ends when it comes to Christian Trahan and some of the others in the passing game. And now even Peyton Sawyer, he made a couple of plays this past week against South Florida. Uh, not to, to focus on too much, but obviously it seems like Houston's offense is, is right where it needs to be. Uh, is there anything you're going to be looking for when it comes to, to SMU and what they can do? For Houston, again, offensively, it's about getting up to a, a fast start. Over the last couple of weeks, they've been able to get to that fast start. I think that bodes well not only for their confidence but for their rhythm offensively. I think they have to play in a rhythm, get drives going, sustain drives, pick up first downs, and keep themselves in third and manageable situations. They've been doing a good job of that. I'm going to see if Tunu is going to keep up the stellar play that he's played with against this better competition against SMU. And so um, – one thing that you mentioned and that really has helped Houston is the plethora of op, um, receivers that has been stepping up and having big games from Sam Brown to to Carter. We know what Tank has done. He's second in the country in touchdowns with 10, 17th overall um, in yards so far this season. And so we know what he can do. We know SMU is going to be stop, trying to stop him. But you got to keep in mind Sam Brown and Carter and as well as the run game. Snead has been playing well. Campbell has been serviceable. Uh, so I think Houston offense has been, been really well. They've been a very balanced as far as spreading the ball around. It's something I think they should continue to do. Absolutely. Now, Saturday's game will be a 6 p.m. kickoff. will be on the NFL Network. Now, obviously, the game between Houston and SMU, very important when it regards to the American Athletic Conference standings because the Cougars, <clears throat> despite the, the early struggles and even losing the first game, when they open the conference schedule, they find themselves in a three-way tie for second place in the conference with Cincinnati and UCF uh, in regards to all three of those teams are at three and one. Uh, obviously, Tulane, who it was a team that Houston lost to in that conference opener, uh, sits at top of the conference with at 4-0 and 7-1. and So a big game for SMU and Houston, where SMU, they're 2-2 two two in conference. They're 4-4 and overall, but Houston needs a win to be able to stick uh, to continue to stick with Cincinnati and UCF. Now, remember that Houston will not play either of those two teams, so it's going to be crucial for them to continue to win and let the chips fall where they may because um, we saw Tulane and UCF play each other. We saw Cincinnati and UCF play each other, so those teams will continue to, to play each other as the season remains. So if Houston can win out, they're going to be in pretty good position to be able to, at the end of the season, be in one of those final two spots so they can control what they can control. And if they can win out, they'll be in a good position. But that's going to do it for uh, the segment on the football team. Coming right up, we will continue our name, image, and likeness series, this time on the origins of Goku's and that, how that uh, continued to shape HOU. NIL. I had a, a pleasure of having a sit down with Ryan of gokooks.com. So don't go anywhere. You're watching Pod Slamma Jamma on the Pod Slamma Jamma YouTube channel. The uh, interview coming right up after this commercial break. Hey, oh my God, this might be our most watched show, most viewed yeah, show.
basketball is everything, man. They're on the come up for sure. They repeat that um, throughout the game, not just. We have got a lot, a lot, a lot of work to do. That's Rich Coog, the unofficial postgame show of UH Athletics. We'll start off the men's basketball portion November 7th when Houston tips off against Northern Colorado. Be sure to check that out on the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel. And without further ado, here's the interview focusing on HOU and IO. Hey, hey, it's Andy Yanez, and I'm sitting here with Ryan Monsu, who uh, I got it. I got your name, your last name correctly. No, I didn't. Dang, I you came Monsu. close. You came closer. Monsu. Monso. Monso. That's it. And you're Monso. keeping that in, by the way. That that needs to stay. <laughs> hey, we will. We'll keep it. Monso. Okay, good. Yeah. There we go. We got it. We All learned right. something we're good. new. But this time, obviously, Ryan, you're joining me. Um, you're the publisher of GoCoops.com, correct? And yes, sir. when it comes to H-O-U-N-I-L, that is the main topic. That is why you you are joining me on this specific segment and for the next few weeks in the coming segments, uh, focusing on name, image, and likeness. And this time, we are going to focus on H-O-U-N-I-L. So really, I mean, from the start, let's just start with gocoops.com because I know they're not directly involved. Well, there's a partnership with H-O-U-N-I-L, but they're separate. But I'm just curious... First of all, when did GoCoops, and this is just in general, I'm curious, when did GoCoops launch and how did that, if, I'm sure it did, how did that help you with the idea of H-O-U-N-I-L? So I've been writing around U of H in some way or another for 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. And I'd always wanted to try to see if a content site could compete with all the message board sites, the rivals and the 24-7 and the scout and all the others, Coop fans. And in February of 2018, I stumbled on the URL gokooks.com, and it was available. And it had never been available in the past. I was like, well, crap, I should buy that. And so I did, and I played with it for six months or so. And finally, that fall, decided to go all in on it. Uh, I have a couple other businesses on the side, and I have the time to devote to this to make it its own sort of media creation. We're not Mm -hmm. exactly journalism as in the Houston Chronicle or what you do at Gallery Sports, but we're not exactly just fan stuff either. We try to be down the middle. Obviously, there's a slant, but to give people just a, a different sort of writing than they get other places. We also focus on the history of U of H, both the school and the athletics department. And you don't really get that anywhere else. So we've been doing this for five football seasons. This is our fifth. And it turned into a subscription website with a message board, a forum. And it has grown and grown. And I believe we're the biggest around today in terms of U of H. When NIL first came onto our radar, we knew we wanted to do something with it. And we knew we could do something content wise. We just weren't sure how it was going to work. And I kicked the idea around with subscribers and people I know at U of H regents, just trying to figure out where could we fit in and how would it work? Because my goal was never to be like a middleman 
um, brokering deals between businesses and players. It was always to do content. And content was the thing that I thought we could do well and that really hadn't been done anywhere else. And we looked around the country for something that we could kind of base this on. And TechSags does something similar. But what we're looking to do is writing, video, audio, and then pairing U of H athletes with sponsors and turning that into content too. So finally, at the beginning of the summer, we decided we were ready to go. We got some pretty good, significant support from people inside athletics saying, yes, let's go do this, make this happen. And with the help of Brad Towns, who played baseball at U of H, he's very, very, very well known for walking nine batters in three innings at LSU. He and I kind of put this idea together and we teamed up with another guy who is not a U of H person who helped us with sort of the dynamics that we didn't understand. And we have built a subscription base now. We're right around 100 subscribers and right around a month. And we are starting to build sponsorships. It's starting to take off and be a big deal. We have great content already recorded. We have essays coming out in the next week, ramping up to basketball season. Um, and it's, it's, it's really fascinating. We're hoping to work with every single U of H athlete that wants to work with us, that wants to do content, that wants to get their story out there in their own words. And that's kind of my main thing is I want to tell their stories, but not the story they're telling in a press conference or maybe even what they're doing in like any sort of long form story or interview. I want to go deeper than that. And this format allows us to do that. And it also allows us to compensate the athlete for it. Mm-hmm. Kind of to take a step back, just when it comes to that subscription model, uh, I'm curious, how did you guys, obviously you guys have a, a, a following now, but how did it go about building that up? Because I'm talking from experience, it is hard to get anyone to, to follow anything when it comes to subscription, much less when you have to do a monthly commitment when it comes to payments. Yeah, so we have no problem getting people to follow us on social media. We don't have any problem getting people to retweet our content. <laughs> getting people to pay for it was a whole different thing. And this is mm-hmm. the part that I wanted to prove that U of H could do, like U of H fans could do, is that would they pay for content? And we found a, a group of people um, who were interested in that. They obviously like the other components of it, the camaraderie, uh, the forum, the message board aspect. But because our content is so different than yours, for instance, people gravitate towards that, people that have different sorts of minds or or whatever. Um, But it's not easy. And having learned this over four or five years, credit card numbers change a lot faster than I realized. (laughs) And so you're dealing with that nonstop. And that part of it, that business side of running a a subscription site is, is not fun, but 
there are a lot of great parts of it, and I've met a lot of cool people. So once again, that was the first of four segments focusing on HOU NIL. Next week, we'll be focusing, or you will hear and watch the upcoming segment focusing on what it was like working with athletes for HOU NIL in specific in regards to creating content. They just had a very cool piece with Jamal Shedd and what it's like playing point guard for Kelvin Sampson. So be sure to check that out next week here on Pod Slamma Jamma. But coming right up, we'll be focusing on both the men's and women's basketball teams as they gear up for their season opener November 7th. Both teams will tip off this upcoming Monday. Once again, you are watching Pod Slamma Jamma. And at this time, I'd like to take a moment to remind you guys to please subscribe to the channel below. It is the easiest way to support us. It is free um, and it takes two seconds. So just go ahead and down below. If you are listening on the audio only platforms, be sure to give us a rating, give us a like and make us your nonstop podcast in regards to Houston Cougars football, men's basketball and women's basketball out back to our main podcast in regards to the men's basketball and women's basketball seasons. Day on, it, we're finally here. We are less than a week away until both teams tip off the season. Obviously, in regards to both of the, both of the teams, uh, when it comes to preseason predictions, the women's basketball team uh, got a couple of AP poll votes in the preseason, uh, the inaugural preseason poll. They were picked to finish second in the American Athletic Conference. Obviously, we know the story with the men's basketball team. They were picked third in both the coaches and AP poll, and they were picked uh, the unanimous pick to win the American Athletic Conference uh, by the coaches. Day on, uh, before we toss it over to, to Marcus and a clip here from Kelvin Sampson, uh, just want to get your, your thoughts overall now that it, it's finally here and it, both of these seasons are about to tip off and what could be a uh, historic year for both of these programs as they are in their final year in the American Athletic Conference. Uh, you're muted, Dan. I'm excited for both programs, uh, particularly the women's program, because um, – they have to year by year prove themselves. A lot of doubters, not only from Houston fans, um, I, just a lot of down, doubters from them. And I've been really close to the program over the last three to four, three to four years. And so I, I kind of have an inside view on what all they've been through. I know the obstacles they've overcoursed. I know all the coach Huey has been through. And I'm a huge supporter. I'm a huge believer as well. I think this year's talent that they've accumulated and developed until this point, I think it's going to be the best that they've had at a while in a while. And so I'm very, very excited. Um, for the new additions of coaching staff, the coach who we brought upon the coaching staff are really good as well. So I'm just excited for them to come out and shock the world because nobody's believing in them. I feel like I'm the only sole believer in this program outside of coach Huey and that entire team. And so I just can't wait for them to, to prove me right. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have an opportunity again uh, with the collective talent that they have bringing back. And when you start with the women's basketball team, really the the number one player that, that sticks out to you is Layla Blair and, and the improvement that she's been able to do during her time in Houston. And obviously we talked about it uh, at the beginning when they had their first uh, practice of the season. 
Uh, a lot of the focuses that she is going to be honing in on this season in particular, being an all-around player and being able to affect games in regards to more than just on-ball scoring, in particular being able to uh, really be an asset for Houston in a whole bunch of different various ways. Dan, what are you excited about in regards to, to Layla Blair? And then just overall, outside of the other players that, that could step up and uh, maybe maybe make a huge impact for the women's team. Well, for Layla, I'm just excited for her to really become a smarter basketball player. The skills are there. Of course, she can score. She can shoot, score on all three levels. She can play, make. But I think the next step for her is become a smarter basketball player. You can go to our YouTube channel. We have interviews with her where she's talking about how the game has slowed down for her. And so I, I'm excited to to see what that looks like on the court. I mean, because she will often have a lot of turnovers. And so I think she can get those turnovers down, get those assists up, and just – continue to make the right play and not force things offensively. I think she can be an All-American. She can lead this team to a tournament. But a couple other players that I'm looking forward to to have a big year, Bria Patterson, their front court. Bria Patterson and Tatiana Hill, both of those players have been with um, Coach Huey for a while. So I'm looking for them to be steady and consistent all year. And Brittany Onyeje, I think she's um, one of the X factors because – they need for her to knock down shots. She's their floor spacer. And not only that, she's their best on-ball defender. I think she will will win um, Defensive Player of the Year in the conference. She uh, uh, competes really hard on the defensive end. And so I, I'm excited to see about that. A couple of newcomers that um, I got some insight from some sources that Logan, a 6'3 post, and Ava, another 6'3 post, um, should all have instant impacts for Houston. So I can't wait to see them put it together. Their depth has been a strength um, over the last couple of years, and the way that they like to play, I think, is vital that they have depth. And I think their their backcourt is going to have to continue to develop, not only with Tierra Young, but some of the other guards that they brought in as well. So overall, I think Layla is um, – the straw that steers the drink and it's good to have your best player as one of your best leaders, especially with the work ethic and all she does off the court along with her faith. I just think it's time for this team to take the next step. Demila Brown, the transfer out of Illinois, is another one of those names to to keep an eye on in regards to, to players that are going to make immediate impact, new faces that are going to make immediate impact for this women's basketball team. And going back to your point about Brittany Onyeje, Ron Huey kind of <clears throat> mentioned it similar to where he feels that uh, – or not – yeah, Onyeje, she can end up being uh, the defensive player of a conference once it's all said and done at the end of – season so it's going to be interesting to say like you said uh, Dayon, they have all the, the the pieces around now it's going to be about coming together and overall just the lessons that they learned from last season uh, it was kind of the story of the season inconsistent play throughout where they had some highs they had some lows and it's all about being able to start out the gates consistent and carry it throughout the year now in regards to the men's basketball side of things uh, like I said the story for the men's basketball team or for for their season heading into during the preseason heading into this 2022-23 year is really just the overall talent that they have top to bottom, especially in regards to return, uh, <clears throat> the return of Marcus Sasser, who um, he he flirted with being able to take his next step at in the NBA, um, went through the whole combine process, um, and Kelvin Sampson himself said it during one of his availabilities uh, recently where Marcus Sasser could have kept his name in the NBA draft pool and he would have been taken by a team. He said that he had gotten uh, he had gotten guarantees by some teams, but he wouldn't have been taken as high as he wanted to. So he chose to come back 
to Houston to build up that draft stock and being able to help Houston overall. Now, here's uh, what Marcus Sasser had to say in regards to being in the final week before the regular season starts and overall uh, what he's learned about this team throughout the not-so-secret scrimmages um, that have been, uh, you know, obviously, there's a lot of buzz in regards to the programs that they scrimmage. You guys are less than a week out from uh, the regular season. Um, how do you approach this, this final week just in terms of being able to hone in and, and kind of like focus on stuff to get ready for that game on Monday? Um, just been locked in, so you know, the small things, we're going to start scouting report and stuff like that. So um, just been locked in on what the coaches are saying. Um, again, just being disciplined, again, listening to the, you know, emphasis of the day, and then just trying to, you know, be the best as we can as a team for the emphasis of the day. So really just locking in. Marcus, what did y'all learn about your team in those two scrimmages? Um, this team is very unselfish. You know, we played together. Um, we played hard, competed. And, you know, we was undisciplined and some stuff, but, you know, it's still early. So I think as time goes on, you know, we'll start being disciplined. And we got a good chemistry right now, but I feel like it'll be a lot better. But that will just get better as time goes on. Marcus Sasser in particular, uh, something that, that – uh, caught his eye in regards to his team early on through the first months as uh, the unselfishness. You heard him there say it. Now, obviously, when it comes to his team top to bottom, uh, with how talented it is, that's that's got to be music to your ears from a Houston fan's perspective to hear Marcus Sessa say that. Uh, you're muted again there. Yeah, and I think it starts with Marcus because he's one of the, the most unselfish stars that you will have in college basketball. And, I mean, of, of course, he can get his own, but he isn't all about getting his own. He wants everybody to eat. And not only that, that's part of his development is showing that he can playmake. And so with that, you got a star who's unselfish, along with Jamal Shedd, your other captain who's unselfish, and just the culture itself. I mean, it's cliche, but it's the truth. And so um, definitely not surprised with that. Um I don't really look at this team as star-studded. Honestly, I, I really don't. Um, I think Marcus is a star. Uh, I consider Jamal a star. And Coach Sampson is the biggest star. <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> other than that, it's um, it's kind of to be seen. I think stars will develop throughout the season, will develop into star roles and, and star players. But coming into the season, I don't really see it as a star-studded team. But – Definitely an unselfish team, and I can't wait to see them on the court. Yeah, I agree with that. That's certainly an interesting way to, to look at it because the potential certainly is there for a whole bunch of different players to be able to kind of grow into a quote-unquote star role. But I agree with you. And something that, that Kelvin said yesterday during his availability in regards to uh, when you look at leadership from this program, he said that they have two leaders, and it's Jamal Shedd and Marcus Sasser. And specifically in regards to Jamal Shedd, he's much more of the player who they count on to be able to really rally the team <clears throat> for for the team to be able uh, to kind of be the extension of Kelvin Sampton on the court for for uh, a better way to phrase it. Um, and that's crucial for Houston overall when it comes to the season. Like uh, Kelvin's mentioned in the past, there's three people that can never afford to have a bad practice. Their point guard, the best player, and obviously uh, Kelvin Sampson himself, the head coach, is the saying that he says. Now, speaking of Kelvin Sampson, we're going to hear from him. And a little interesting clip where he talks about several different players. And there's a lot of takeaways in what he said. Once again, this is head coach Kelvin Sampson. It's probably why he's a little bit ahead of Terrence last year. Terrence played last year. 
Me and Ramon have been in high school, and parents will be ahead of Ramon. Ramon knows exactly what we want and how we want to do it. The parents are going to come along. So we're not in a... Um, our season isn't going to end November 7th. We're going to play 33 games. So as the season goes along, they just kind of work and get better. And uh, when they earn their playing time, they'll be out. That time with the team, do you see it with Emmanuel? Even though he was, you know, battling, you know, coming back, rehabbing. Yeah, the thing that's hurt uh, Emmanuel, um, all through camp, he's just been fighting injuries. You know, he's just, uh, like he's got a cast right. He didn't play the other day. He sprained his thumb, and they actually went to MRI to make sure it wasn't broke. So he was out with a thumb. And when he comes back this week, he sprains his calf. So he's been snaked a little bit with uh, injuries. So, um, you know, he's, he's the one probably on the outside looking in strictly because of his injuries right now. What about what you've seen from him in terms of growth on the court? Jermon? Yes. Well, well, just remember now, Jermon's only played um, uh, basically one semester. You know, he's a long way from hitting his ceiling. Um, you know, his freshman year, um, First semester, he's trying to figure some things out. Second semester, he came into his own when Caleb transferred. So he really wasn't a factor much his first semester. He got some minutes here or there. But then he started really getting better. Then he didn't do anything for seven months. So he's starting over again. You know, so uh, when the season starts on November 7th, it's not the same command you're going to see as the one you'll see on January 7th, Preston. So I think he'll, he'll be uh, a guy that just, the more he plays, the better he'll get because he just doesn't have uh, the game experience that he needs um, uh, to get his confidence going. You know, other, you know, I tell our kids all the time, you know, another man doesn't take your confidence away, another man doesn't give you confidence. Get your confidence through your preparation. Uh, what, what other people say to me or how they treat me, that, that doesn't have anything to do with how I feel about myself. You know, um, if you work hard at what you do, uh, that's, that's where your toughness comes in and your uh, confidence comes in. So there you heard Calvin Sampson talk about a lot of different things. I think in particular where you heard him talk about Jamon Mark there and really how uh, he's expected to progress throughout the season just in terms of the more experience he gets. I think that goes to your point that you said earlier just in terms of he's one of those guys that fits that that uh, kind of um, – he fits that that description that you said in terms of he has the potential of being able to grow into a, a quote-unquote star role, um, which is going to be one of the players to keep an eye on. Obviously, um, during his time here with the program, you heard Calvin talk about a little bit. His first his freshman season, he had uh, pretty decent stretches, but then he, he caught COVID towards uh, early to the middle of December. And, and really, whenever he came back, he seemed like a different player. And then, obviously, we know the story last season in regards to uh, the shoulder injury that kept him out for much of the season. So it is going to be, hopefully, a full season of Tremont Mark, and hopefully he can continue to grow. Like you said, um, it will be a different player November 7th, January 7th, compared to what we see early on in the season. Yep, and I think that experience – it's just going to help him um, just find who he is as a basketball player. I think, I mean, 
I, we know the skill set that he has, but it's difference impacting winning on a, each giving team and what this team needs in this year. And so his role is going to be defined. I think he's going to be a star in his role. But like Coach Simpson said, playing uh, experience is going to be the biggest key for him. And I expect for him um, to shine. I think he's going to come out early in the season and um, kind of make his stamp to, to let not only the nation know but I'm sure the team has already know what he can do when they see him every day at practice. But I guess cool fans to kind of let them know and let the nation know that Tremont was the player that we or I, I don't know who who else would have the expectations because I've seen him play since high school. Um, the expe- expectations, I'm sure that he has in himself, I should say, because I'm sure he has very high expectations in himself. So I'm excited yeah. to see all the guards play, man. Um, um, it's going to be um, – see which which guards earn playing time because that, that that's yeah. the key like coach Sampson just said and I think with the versatility and some of the length that these guards have I think it's going to be some times where you see four guards on the court at once with either Jay Juan or Jarris at the five just depending on the matchup and so um this is probably one of the deepest guards groups that they've had probably since they had before the year they went to the final four before Caleb transferred with Quinn, Caleb, Dejan, Marcus, um, Tremont, Tremont. And so it's going to be a very deep guard group. Yeah, and, and kind of focusing on that guard specifically, once again, you heard in that clip Kelvin talk about how right now Ramon Walker is kind of ahead of Terrence Arsenault and Emmanuel Sharp just in regards to that experience he was able to build uh, last season kind of being – forced to have to to play heavy rotational minutes for Houston just with the injury situation that they suffered a season ago. Now, I think it's interesting. Um, and and you kind of hate to hear when, in regards to him talking about Emmanuel Sharp, where he, the way he phrased it, he's been kind of snake bit early on through through the first month of, of Houston as they've prepared for the season with different injuries um, that, that injury in his hand, the thumb that he had so the sprain he had suffered um to his hand it held him out of the scrimmage against Duke. You heard Sam say it there right there. Uh but then apparently also calf strain has bothered him the week after he suffered. So um hopefully he can get better. Obviously we know the injury history when he was in high school, the the bad injury he suffered. So hopefully he can get that in the rear mirror and he can continue to to progress as the season goes along. And then turns Arsenal who uh, another player that they've been high on and especially obviously uh, when you look at national media, it seems like they're really high on Terrence Arsenal and the potential that he can have. He could be, again, one of those players that fits in as the season progresses, the more experience he gets, potentially depending on how quickly he he picks up stuff, he could fit into that uh, description of, quote-unquote, uh, certainly a big contributor for Houston. Yeah, yeah, I think he can. But one player um, who you just mentioned is Ramon Walker, and I think he's going to have even a better year because – we saw what he can bring on the defensive end along with those hustle plays. But I think offensively, now that he's fully healthy, he could really score the basketball. I think he's going to shoot a better percentage. He's going to be a more consistent scorer for them, um, shooting the ball as long as his ability to get to the rim and finish through contact. I think offensively, he's going to take that next step. And um, Houston Cougar Guards is going to really, really see the talent that he has. I think you only saw, saw a shell of what he can do offensively last year because of his injury. But 
I'm telling you right now, um, Ramon Walker has a, um, a good offensive skill set and score on all three levels. And I expect him to really, really take that next step and really put Houston fans kind of on notice that he's not just uh, um, a hustle player, that he really is a complete guard. And I think a lot of players, a lot of people don't really know what he can do. And I've caught his games in high school as well. And he's a really, really gifted scorer. Absolutely. And he's kind of honestly become a bit of maybe that's not the perfect way to frame it just in terms of of a quote unquote forgotten. But he's one of the players that when when it comes to new additions that Houston's had, he hasn't really gotten a lot of buzz. And I agree with what you said, Dayon. He became kind of the uh, poster face for Houston in regards to that identity player just going back to the Wichita Wichita State game overtime he made that play say diving after a loose ball that saved the possession for Houston and allowed him to ultimately win that game uh he it seemed like he was always drawing at least one charge a game in each of those outings last season and certainly with that experience now under his belt uh like you said he he showed the offensive versatility um in high school so now it's going to be about again having that consistency uh throughout the season which I think as to see him progresses he's gonna be more comfortable in that role and and again he does have that experience under his belt from a season ago now uh, before we wrap things up the forward the front court position I think that's really the the most interesting thing in regards to Houston and uh honestly could determine how quickly um Houston finds success in regards to what level they're expected to be at um certainly by by um, all the preseason rankings and, and polls and stuff like that but obviously we know that uh especially Especially when it comes to front court players, Dewan Roberts, Reggie Cheney, those two guys are seem to be the guys that have solidified uh, being <clears throat> at the four and five, and obviously throwing Jarris Walker in there um, at the four and five position. But I think it's going to be interesting to see who kind of steps up to fill, especially when in regards to the five, um, who kind of steps up and and becomes a playmaker in the front court, especially after you look at the losses that this team suffered from a year ago, losing Damian White and Josh Carlton, who were two huge contributors for a team a season ago. There's going to be a huge void for Houston in that front court. Before I um, talk about the front court, I want to add one more thing about Ramon Walker because a lot of people on the outside, they look at rankings. They look at Terrence Arsenal and he's ranking and all these media is ranking, ranking, ranking. He's this, he's this, he's that. And I'm not taking that away from his talent level, but it's different when you step on a college basketball court. All that is out the window. And mm-hmm. they look at Ramon, I think they're, they're kind of forgotten because he wasn't a highly recruited player. They saw what he did last year. And so I, that's why I think a lot of people are sleeping on what he really can do. And I think he's going to wake a lot of people up. But um, to your point about the front court, um, it's going to be a lot of questions to answer. Who, for me, is I think with the, the guards that they have, you're not going to need front court scoring as much as they did last year because it's kind of how the season played out. They needed Joshua score. They needed Fabian to score. This year, I don't think so much. I, I think they're going to need um, Jairus to produce, whether it's, I think, I would say maybe 10 to 12 points a game, rebound. Um, J1 on night-to-night basis, hustle, rebound. I know he wants to expand his game to be a, a more versatile player and add more scoring Reggie is that toughness player, so I don't I don't think he's gonna really be relied upon to score. But um, some of those players are are gonna be um, recipients of just really good guard play because they're gonna be so guard heavy and they're gonna look to stop the guards and you're gonna get a pick and roll action, a lot of easy dunks, uh, a lot of point blank range opportunities. You just gotta capitalize. But JVA Francis, I think he's um, a name. 
for Houston keep our eye on. He's been in a cultural while. He's a player who can great hands, can finish on both both hands around the rim, can catch lobs. He's going to be a really, really good shot blocker. And so that front court production, I can't wait to see how they produce um, on a night-to-night basis. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point about JVA Francis, I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, when he does get on the court for Houston, just really what he's able to do because we haven't, he hasn't been able to have that consistent uh, playing. Like we mentioned last season, uh, Houston had so much uh, depth in the front court when it came to Josh Carlton, Fabian White. I know Reggie Chaney was, was kind of uh, playing through injury, but he was uh, relied upon at times and obviously Jawan Roberts uh, included in that group. So it's going to be interesting to see um, he's likely to get um, his first few uh, consistent rotational minutes this season. So he's going to be someone to keep an eye on. And I mean, honestly, depending on how quickly pick six, pick things up, he could potentially be uh, an X factor, which I know we talked about that last week. Um, so it'd be interesting to see um, what impact he's able to make. That's something that that Kelvin Sampson has has mentioned throughout this training camp, throughout the first months of the preseason, just uh, in regards to Houston and what they look for in players, guys that can impact winning. That's something that Kelvin Sampson has said in the past. So it's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, when it comes to Houston, their identity, what are they known for? Rebounding, crashing the glass, uh, which is something that they've been able to do well in the past. Uh, and it's not just the bigs. Obviously, Kelvin likes to see his guards rebound. But overall, obviously, we know the story of Houston so far they're going to have high expectations they're going to have a lot of national buzz a lot of eyeballs on them uh what is something in particular that you're going to be have your eye on uh when they tip off their season November 7th against Northern Colorado Traymond Marks rebounding because you look Mm -hmm. over the last few years going back to Armani Brooks led the team in rebounding Nate Hinton how tenacious he was at rebounding Dejan Giroux how good he was at rebounding last year with Kyler how good he was at rebounding and every year Houston has a guard who averages over five or six almost seven eight rebounds a game so which guard on the court is going to pick up those rebounds and uh, I think it it may be Tremont and so I'm going to look to see if he's going to um rebound the ball from the guard perspective I know that um, Coach Sampson is going to be challenging him to do so. And so which guard is going to rebound is something I'm going to keep my eye on. Absolutely. And that's going to do it for today's episode. So we have a lot, uh, a big week. Like we mentioned, obviously, we have the both basketball teams that tip off November 7th, the football team's game on uh, this upcoming Saturday against SMU. The women's basketball team, they will have availability tomorrow. So be sure to follow us here on Pod Slam and Gem. Subscribe to the channel for content on football, men's basketball, and women's basketball that you're not going to find anywhere else. And the men's basketball team will have availability um, ahead of Monday's game as well. So be sure to stay tuned for clips like that. But as always, I'm going to toss it over to you, to you Dayon, um, and give us the final word before we log out. We've enjoyed everybody who's been participating and watching us live. Well, thank you all for watching us. Like Andy just said, make sure you like to subscribe our YouTube channels. Follow all of, follow all of our social media channels as well. But you can't end a segment without saying go Cougs.